Good evening. I am uh, honored to be here this evening. I uh, recently was doing some uh, history and English literature studies, and I ran across the name of a one of King Arthur's knights that's not mentioned in many of the legends. He was the biggest of the knights, biggest around. He was huge. And uh, his name, as you probably already guessed, was Circumference. <laughs> I want to go ahead and get that out of the way so we can get into the message. I meet people every day. Sometimes Walmart, sometimes at other places. And what I discover is it seems like more than a third of them are very unhappy. I have a friend who's a counselor and... Uh, he and I were discussing this situation, and he said, Randy, it's not just depression. He said, a lot of people are clinically depressed, but you can treat that with medication. He said, these are people that medication won't help. They are always going to be unhappy. And I said, I wonder why that is. And I began to look at it and began to study it, and the Holy Spirit began to call things to my mind, to my memory. And I want to share some things with you tonight about being happy. Okay? In Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there right quickly, we'll get started in the scripture. But in Matthew chapter 5, there's a word that occurs over and over and over and over and over again. And it is the word blessed. Blessed. The word blessed is also translated in many English documents as the word happy. I don't want to mess with the word of God. don't want to make changes to it. But I would like for you to see tonight people who are described as being happy because they are blessed. We start in verse 2. Actually, we start in verse 1. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, talking about the Lord Jesus. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We'll pause there in our reading, uh, but we could do the, the next three chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. It's all part of the same sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. 
And what we want to deal with this more, this evening uh, is these first few ideas about people who are happy in spite of circumstances. Circumstances was the name of the night who always found himself in a mess of trouble. Okay? He was always under the circumstances. You may have heard him, heard of him, and uh, but uh, but in spite of the circumstances, the scripture says that we can be happy even though we may be poor in spirit, because the poor in spirit are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Happy are they that mourn, for they should be comforted. Dear sweet friend of mine this past week lost his wife. He is uh, young. His wife was 50 years old. She had had cancer. She would had kidney failure. Uh, she would had all kinds of different uh, diseases. She uh, at one point went blind. And, uh, and all of this, and, and yet uh, she is known for her apron. You say, what do you mean, Brother Casey? Well, this lady, didn't matter what needed doing, she'd put her apron on and get into it, get started. She was always wanting to serve others, always wanting to, to serve somebody else. And as a result, when you talk to her, she was always joyful. Even when she was hurting, she was at peace and blessed. And the other day at her funeral, we got to talking about how sweet it is that she's in heaven and she sees perfectly. And if she needs kidneys, they're working perfectly. And any other problems she may have had are solved. And she's doing very, very well. And we rejoiced in that. On the way out here tonight, I uh, was listening to the radio and I heard the song that Carla Bailey sang here the last two times she sang for us. And that the song is Celebrate Me Home. You know, when I'm gone, don't weep, don't cry, don't carry on. Celebrate me home. What a joyful experience that can be. So even those who mourn can be happy or joyful because they're going to be comforted. The meek, those who seem to get stomped on, and they take it. Those who turn the other cheek when they could lash out are happy because they're going to inherit the earth. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness can be happy and blessed and joyful because they'll be filled. If you want righteousness, God will give it to you. He'll show it to you. You can find it in His Word. And He'll overwhelm you with it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. friend of mine had difficulty with the IRS. 
owed about $40,000. Didn't have $40,000. And so he called the IRS. They sent him a form letter, but he knew he, before he got the letter that he owed it. He just didn't know how much it was. And they sent him a form letter, and so he called them. And, and the import of the story he was sharing with me was, you do better if you just communicate with people. <laughs> if you if you got a problem with somebody, just call them. Just take care of it. See how God works it out. Uh, and uh, it uh, worked out beautifully. The person he talked to said, oh, this, you do this and you work for this group and, and, and your job involves this? And he answered all the questions and said, yes. And uh, she said, oh, well, I want to help you. Is a IRS agent. Wow. And that things worked out wonderfully for him. So even when you are merciful, you can be happy because you'll obtain mercy. You see, his job is helping people with addictions, helping to free them from addictions. And there's hundreds, literally hundreds of people in the area that he has helped through their ministry. So sweet. He shows mercy. He obtained mercy. The pure in heart, they shall see God. The peacemakers, they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are they and happy are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you struggle with that verse, how can anybody be happy when they are being persecuted for righteousness' sake? Go to the book of Philippians and look at Philippians chapter 4. Paul is in prison when he writes this. When he's writing Philippians chapter 4, he's in prison. He's been in prison for a while. And this is not a, um, a Sheraton or a Marriott, or even a Motel 6. Oh, this is a Roman prison. They let him down through a hole in the ceiling, and he lives in this hole in the ground. And every day they lift the lid off, and they let the food down and the water down, and come back and pull it all back up. And Paul says, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. How in the world can you rejoice in those circumstances? Well, it's much easier than you think. Because Paul knows where he's going. He knows who's in charge. And he knows who's providing for him. And he knows where he used to be and where God has brought him to. Tonight when I came in, somebody said, Brother Casey, how are you? I said, better than I deserve. I'm not ever going to get what I deserve. Why should I live a life of, of sadness and, and grumpiness and complaining when I am not ever going to experience hell? Heaven's my home. I said all that to say this. 
didn't say it near fast enough, but I said all that to say this. We know the greatest amount of joy when we are filled with the Spirit of God. And I don't have time tonight to go into it, but John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I'm going away, and I'll send another comforter. I'll send somebody else who will be with you. And later, he calls that comforter, that that Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. If Jesus is the truth and he's the spirit of truth, then he's the spirit of the Lord Jesus. And when a person receives Christ as Savior, that spirit comes and indwells us. But he doesn't just want to indwell us. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill us. I know you've seen this illustration before because I've preached it several times here. But the illustration that stands out best in my mind is I've got my own little vehicle called Life. And for a long, long time, I was in the passenger seat with my little toy steering wheel and my little toy horn, and Satan was in the driver's seat taking me where he wanted me to go. And the Holy Spirit was in the back seat. And the Holy Spirit kept making suggestions about how I could know more about where I ought to go and who ought to be in control and who ought to be driving. And one day I recognized the Christ of Calvary and the sacrifice that he made for my sin. And I received him as my personal Savior and made Satan get out of the driver's seat. And the Holy Spirit got in the driver's seat. And all of a sudden, he is directing my life. And he directed my life, and, and there was such joy and peace knowing that I was going the right way with the right companion, and God was in control. And one day, Satan leaned up and said, Hey, don't you want to go see this? Well, yeah. Yeah, I would like to see that. Holy Spirit, stop. I'll drive. And I got out went and got in the driver's seat. Holy Spirit ran around and got in the passenger seat. Holy Spirit's still in the front seat. He's still with me. But now I'm in control. And we head off the road. Until I realize that I am not only going the wrong direction, I'm making a mess out of my life. And I yield again to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I ask him to take control. And he gets in the driver's seat. I get in the passenger seat. And we head on down the road. This idea of fullness of the Spirit we find in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see this in, in context this evening.
Ephesians chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 15. Paul writes and says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Has anybody noticed lately that the days seem to be evil? Wow. I never dreamed it would get this bad. Wherefore, verse 17, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Do you understand what the will of God is? It's for you to live a godly life. It's for you to be a testimony. It's for you to be an example to unbelievers. It's for you to live a life of joy, a life of happiness. Getting up in the morning wondering what God's going to do today and if He's going to let you get involved. Is He going to let you be a part of it? He goes on. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason he says, be not drunk with wine, this is not a passage condemning the drinking of wine. There are plenty of others of those. But here he's saying the, there's a comparison to be made. Okay? Don't be drunk with wine. Because that is exhibited in certain kinds of behavior. But be filled with the Spirit of God because that results in certain kinds of behavior. Okay? Notice this is not a suggestion. It's not included in the list of godly suggestions. He says, be not drunk with wine, but be being filled. In the Greek, that's how it's translated. Be being filled with the Spirit. That's continual filling. If the Holy Spirit is If the filling of the Holy Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to control you, then you ought to be continually under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you to see in the next, just the next few minutes is notice where this behavior is exhibited. Where is it first seen that a person is filled with the Spirit? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Most people who are not happy, most people who never experience joy, don't know what it is to make melody to the Lord in their heart. I find myself driving down the road singing. And sometimes... I really get into it. Happiness is to know the Savior, living a life within His favor, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. And it just goes on and on. And when I really get into it, I even lean my head back and just belt it out. You know? And people driving beside me, every once in a while I'll see somebody go, 
I'm thinking, you watch your road. (laughs) That's why I got my windows rolled up so you won't be subjected to my singing. But oh, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's, That's part of the evidence. But notice where that happens. Well, not only are you singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord, but you're giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, but uh, Brother Casey, whoa. What about when I broke my arm? Giving thanks always for all things. Well, except breaking your arm. Oh, no, that's not in there. Is there anything that does not fit within the word all? No, I, I, I think all means all, doesn't it? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Yielding. Not having to have your own way. Not having to be first. I tell people I graduated third in my class. In high school, 180 students. Actually, I wasn't third. I was like number 12 or 13. Because there was five or six A's. And there were a bunch of B's. And then we got to the C's. And C-A-R was first. And then C-A-S. E-Y. Okay. But man... Don't you remember as a, as a small child running across the parking lot trying to be first in line to go in from recess? Yeah, I used to watch you guys and laugh at you because I always hung around to be at the end of the line. You, why get done with recess early? That's my favorite subject. Oh, my goodness. Submitting yourselves one to another. Okay. In the fear of God. Oh, and then we get to the good part. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Where does the filling of the Spirit show up? At home. Home. Brother Casey, you're making that up. No, no, I'm just reading it. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And sing about it. And give thanks for all things. And submit yourselves one to another. And then, wives... At home, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You say, Brother Casey, you don't know my husband. Well, maybe I do and maybe I don't. But I guarantee you God knows him. God knows him. And God says, submit yourselves. Unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. One of the major problems we have in the world today is that wives submit themselves to somebody else's husband. And that's either mental 
or physical adultery. But it's always adultery. It's immorality. And I'm out of time. We'll stop there. No. (laughs) We won't. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. If the husband is filled with the Spirit, then he is going to be like Christ, who's the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wife. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so if a man is filled with the Holy Spirit, who's going to know first? And how is she going to know? It's going to be evident by his love for her. You say, but Brother Casey, my husband says that since he's the head, he's in charge. Yeah, he missed that verse up there that says, submitting yourselves one to another. But there is a tendency for us to do that, isn't there? Take the part of the scripture we want and leave the rest. People like Philippians chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm go, I, we can go to the state championships. And we can win because we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. You know where that was written? Paul is laying in the mud in the jail cell. He's not talking about winning championships. He's talking about rejoicing in the Lord in every situation. So when we say I can do all things through Christ, means I can suffer all things. Because Christ suffered for me. And if I suffer with Him, I'll be glorified with Him. Filling the Spirit shows up first at home. You say, wow, Brother Casey, that's that's a different way of thinking about it. Well, for those of you who still have parents that are alive, look at chapter 6, verse 1. It's part of the same passage. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and and thou mayest live long on the earth. Filling of the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, and children can be, as long as they're yielded to the Holy Spirit, as long as He's in control of their lives, then they're going to honor their father and mother. He goes on and says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
That's the way it is in a spirit-filled home. In the life of a spirit-filled father, a spirit-filled husband, spirit-filled mom, spirit-filled wife, spirit-filled children, that's how it works. And then in the bottom part of this chapter, he deals with employees and employers. So it's, if you're filled with the Spirit at home, you're going to be filled with the Spirit at work. Folks are going to take notice. And how do you know if somebody is filled with the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5. You'll see the evidence. Verse 22, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Is that anything like screaming at each other? Uh, not really. Joy. Love and then joy. That doesn't mean everything's going your way. just mean you're trusting God to get you through it. And rejoicing that he's on the throne and not some of the people that you know. Man. And peace. And long suffering. Patience. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith and faithfulness. Meekness. Temperance. Self control. Against such, there is no law. So how do you get filled with the Spirit? First of all, you got to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to be saved. How do you get saved? Repentance and faith. They're two separate things, but they must occur at the same time. Okay? Repentance is turning from sin to God. And faith is believing that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin on the cross of Calvary and will save you when you ask him, when you put your faith in him. What I see today in many, many situations is that people come to Jesus Christ in faith without repentance. They want to pray the prayer and use that as a fire escape from hell but they don't want to make any changes in their life. They want to keep living the way they want to live. They want to stay in control. That's not salvation. Repentance and faith go together. And once you receive Christ as your own personal Savior, declare Him to be the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Then the Holy Spirit moves in. And you can ask Him to take control. And then, same way you got saved, by faith, you allow the Holy Spirit to rule by faith. 
trust God. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, there might be somebody here tonight that's not saved. And so I've talked about a lot of stuff that 